Hello, and welcome back to the Herb Walk Podcast with Jessica Baker. I appreciate you listening, and I hope this season brings you as much joy and information as last season did. I know I am very happy to not only provide you with interviews, but also share a little bit about my story and how I got into herbal medicine and acupuncture and all the energy work that I do with plants and with my clients, as well as give some basic information about Chinese medicine, especially how that corresponds with herbalism. There are some terms that I will have to define that many herbalists will be like, what does that have to do with me or my practice? Or why would I be interested in that? But really, it's because Chinese medicine has such a long history of not only healing people physically and spiritually and, you know, emotionally, mentally on all those levels, but also has great diagnostic techniques that I think would be helpful for herbalists. And a lot of them really do correspond with more the vitalist techniques, at least some of the terminology that you're used to hearing, you know, like hot and cold, dry or damp, you know, stagnation, excess or deficiency. We all use these words in, you know, Chinese medicine or vitalist medicine or, you know, Ayurvedic to some degree, but it's really the interpretation of what that means and how that looks in the body. And I really believe that herbalist could use a little bit more help in the realm of identifying patterns in the body that are causing imbalance. And I've seen this both as a teacher and as a student. When I was a student of herbal medicine, we really didn't talk that much about identifying patterns, whether it's hot or cold. It was more like, you know, we want cleavers, for the urinary tract or, you know, chickweed is good in your salad and it can also help. You know, we would talk about things like cooling down urination, but really there was no foundation for how would we really recognize the difference between hot or cold or deficiency and excess. Because as we know in Chinese medicine, there never is just one you're all deficient or you're all excess. You're going to be deficient in one area and have excess in another more than likely. So I really hope that this season I can provide more information on how to identify these patterns so we can be better clinicians. You know, whether that's we are just herbalists who want to harvest our own medicine and make our own salves and we're not really working with clients, I still think you'll get something out of this season, especially because I am interviewing some amazing herbalists like Nicole Gagliano, Rachel Carvel of Ganjasana. She works a lot with plant medicine in her yoga practice, and she does have a yoga teacher training that she likes to offer. There's also going to be other people on the show like Kelly Green. He owns a wellness center outside of Iquitos, Peru. So we're going to talk to him about what it's like to work with plant medicine with shamans and in a very ceremonial container. So let's take a quick break and then I will get back to today's topic, which is going to be herbal energetics based on Chinese medicine. So we're going to get a little bit into what it means with hot and cold. We will get to today's topic, which is going to be Sichi Wu Wei, which is our four temperatures and our five flavors. And those four temperatures are hot, cold, 
warm, cool. And our five flavors are sweet, bitter, pungent, sour, and salty. So stay tuned where we discuss herbal energetics. Welcome back to The Herb Walk with Jessica Baker. In this ancient text of the Shinnan Bin Saojing, the text contains 252 plants, 67 animals, and 46 minerals. It discusses a brief description of the places of the herb's origin, any secondary names that the plant might have, specific forms and properties of each herb, and the healing properties of each part of the plant, animal, or mineral. So sometimes we'll use only the root of a plant or it'll have a very specific function that would be different as opposed to if we used the flowering part of the plant or the seed of the plant. The Shinnan Bin Jing or the Divine Emperor's Materia Medica or Canon of Herbal Medicine, depending on you know how it's translated, the healing properties really discuss the taste and the temperature And not only the physical attribute of the herbal medicine, but also the spiritual attribute. So in classical herbalism, and we kind of define classical herbalism as before the Song Dynasty or before around 1250 AD, all the herbs and medicinal substances of the minerals and the animal parts were grouped into three categories. And these three categories are very different to how we would categorize herbs today. Today, we categorize herbs for their medicinal properties or what pattern they can work on. So in Chinese medicine, we would say we have a category of tonify qi, and that's going to let us know that if somebody is deficient, we're going to be able to strengthen their qi, usually the qi or the energy of their digestion, If we want to move energy, because maybe somebody just needs a regulation of their chi, we use herbs in the regulate chi category. So that's more of a modern approach to herbalism. In the time of the Shen Nang Bin Sao Jing, we categorized it into just three categories, the superior herbs or the ruling herbs, the medium or ministerial herbs, and the inferior or assistant herbs. And the superior herbs were used to awaken the vital powers of a person and help fulfill their life purpose. So that's not really something that we hear about herbalism today, you know, especially not if we just Google what's ginseng going to be good for. They're really not going to tell us that, you know, we're going to awaken your vital powers and we're going to help you fulfill your life purpose. So these ruling or superior herbs have a beneficial effect on our jing, which is our essence, our qi, which is our energy, and our shen, which is our spirit. And they have this beneficial effect on what we call our three treasures, the jing, qi, and shen, by making the body light, preventing old age, prolonging life, decreasing hunger, and creating our advanced spirit travel abilities. You know, back in the time of the Shen Nang Ben Sao Jing, or the Divine Farmer, 
We have this innate knowledge of time and space is not linear. And this is really what at its essence is, is what Taoism is about. So we have the ability to transcend time and space with meditation, with the proper herbs and food, with living in harmony with the seasons. These were all things that were, and still are, innate in our nature, but our modern world is opposed and at odds with you know our innate being, which is living in harmony or living in balance with the rest of the universe. And this includes the earth. This includes ourselves and all of our relations. And this also includes our communication and our relationship with the universe, the planets, the sun, the moon, and everything else up there that we are still trying to re-remember, if you will. So this is the beauty of Chinese medicine and Chinese herbal medicine, because at its root and at its essence, it is about our physical and spiritual and mental well-being so we can be more in harmony with the rest of the planet and the rest of the universe. So really a beautiful idea that I like to bring into all my classes and my private practice and my personal practice with Chinese medicine, with all of my plant relations, you know, with my human relations as well, which sometimes those plant relations for us plant people are a little bit easier than those human relationships. So the medium or the ministerial herbs were used to enrich and nurture an individual's essential nature, replenish deficiencies, and cure illness. So these medium herbs may or may not be taken over a long period of time, whereas the superior or the ruling herbs are more of our tonifying herbs or our strengthening herbs or our adaptogens, as some people will call at least some of the herbs in this category. So... They are can be taken for a long period of time if necessary. And that's not saying that it's appropriate for all people to take superior herbs for a long period of time in high doses because it really depends on the herb and the person's constitution. But that's just saying that those superior or ruling herbs are the safest to take for a long period of time. The inferior or the assistant herbs are used to treat an individual's disease. So these herbs really have an effect on the body's chi, blood, and our fluids. And these herbs should only be taken a short period of time, and they may be slightly toxic. So we want to have a little bit more precaution when we take the inferior or assistant herbs. And we also want to have a little or a lot of knowledge about diagnostic skills, because this is where we really can do some harm if we have too high of a dosage, have somebody take it for too long, or if their constitution is really drying or really damp, and then we give them an herb that's going to make them more dry or more damp or more hot or more cold. So that's just a little bit about the superior herbs, the ministerial herbs, and the inferior herbs. And we'll talk a little bit more about this in another podcast when we talk more about modern formulation. I will make some correspondences between the two. But for the rest of this podcast, I want to talk about the taste and the temperature. So we'll take a quick break and we'll come back and discuss 
the Sichi Wu way of Chinese herbalism. Welcome back to The Herb Walk with Jessica Baker. So a lot of people are really interested in the temperatures and the taste of herbs and food. So I'm really excited to be able to give you the perspective of the Chinese medicine and how they view the temperatures and the taste. So for the four temperatures, we have hot, cold, warm, and cool. And if you look at Chinese herbal text, you're also going to see that they will have things that will say slightly cold or slightly warm or slightly cool. And so when we talk about the, an herb being hot, that means when you ingest the herb, be it in a tea or as a soup stock, you know, or even if it's applied topically to the skin, that is what is going to happen inside your body. So you are going to have a warming effect or a heating effect, or it's going to be cooling or cold to you. So it's not that just if you reach out and touch that herb, it's going to feel cold or hot to the touch, but that's what's going to happen inside your body. So if you are a person who already tends to run hot on a cool day, So if you look around you and everyone else, it's maybe 50, 55 degrees Fahrenheit and everyone around you has on maybe a hoodie or a light jacket, you know, and you are in a short sleeve shirt and maybe even a pair of shorts and you're wondering why everybody else is bundled up. Well, it could be that everyone else just is cold, but more than likely it's going to be that you tend to run a little hot. So you would want to stay away from the long-term use of heating herbs or heating foods. And an example of a heating food would be, you know, like a cayenne pepper. You know, that's kind of an obvious one, but we know that it is literally hot when you put it in your mouth. You feel a little of that spiciness, but you also will have sweating. Your face might get red. You're going to have heat-provoking symptoms. The same with somebody who's really cold. Let's say it's, you know, 75 or 80 degrees outside Fahrenheit, and you notice that you feel chilled and that you need a light jacket all the time when everybody else is just in short sleeves and flip-flops. It could be that you have a tendency to run cold or that your constitution is cooler than other people's. So you would probably want to avoid the long-term use of cool or cold substances. And that is usually things like our fruits. There are some warming fruits, but um, watermelon is really a cold fruit, especially the rind. In Chinese medicine, we use a powdered extract of the watermelon rind if somebody has a raging sore throat and it is super bitter and it is super cold, but it will help defeat the toxicities that are causing a sore, achy throat that can accompany what we call a wind heat pathogen. Um, But a little bit more on wind heat and wind cold pathogens. We're not going to talk about it here, but we will talk about Chinese medicine and other podcasts, including how to identify the difference between a wind heat and a wind cold type pattern. 
But it's really just important to know today the difference between hot, cold, warm, and cool herbs and how they're going to affect the body. So again, if you tend to run a little too hot, you would want to avoid or, you know, limit your use of hot or even warming substances. And if you tend to run a little cold, then avoid cooling or cold foods and herbs in excess. I never like to tell anybody to take something out of their life 100% unless it's absolutely necessary. But really learning how to modify and know when is the appropriate time to have something cooling and when that time is not appropriate. So in terms of our five tastes, what we call the Wu Wei is they are sweet, bitter, pungent, sour, and salty. And then some textbooks also give you a sixth taste of bland. So again, we talk about the five tastes, but we also do recognize this sixth taste of bland because it does have some medicinal properties. And like so many other herbal philosophies in Chinese medicine, the taste of the herb is going to determine its action. So we'll start with sweet. And the sweet taste really reinforces strengthens and tonifies, especially tonifies digestion or the energy of the middle jowl, which we'll talk about in another episode. But the the sweet taste is really important for deficient people. And so somebody who maybe has had a chronic illness or is recovering from a long-term or even an acute situation like a cold or a flu that really wiped them out, we need the sweet flavor to strengthen their chi, especially the chi of the, di- of the digestion. So it's really good for also people who have a lot of fatigue if they have loose stools and the loose stools that aren't from, you know, having a stomach virus or eating bad food, of course, because that would be from a different cause. But for those people who always tend to have a little fatigue, a little looseness of their stools, and who also don't really have the energy or the motivation, it's like they know they need to do it, but they just can't muster up the strength to get it done. They may also be people who, you know, moderately or even you know, highly work out, but then they never seem to have good muscle tone. So they don't understand why they are exercising, but they're not getting the muscle tone they feel like they should have. And that could be because there's weakness of the digestion. So we need these tonifying herbs to build up their chi again. And so they can properly assimilate the nutrients and then transport those assimilated nutrients to the muscles and to the tendons and to the rest of the body. So a little bit of, you know, more about Chinese medicine, but it's really the importance of the strength of our digestion when we're working with why people can't get enough energy or why they, they're not properly assimilating what they're taking in. And that can also include emotions and not just food. So some examples of our sweet herbs are gonna be our fruits, Yams or sweet potatoes, rice, jujube dates, hawthorn berries. Um, like I said, all of our fruits, whether it is an apple or a pear or a banana, all of the grains are sweet. The grains being oats, millet, rice, barley, wheat, 
A lot of our chi tonifying herbs are also sweet. So astragalus root, what we call huang chi, dong shen, or the codonopsis pelosula, that's also a sweet herb. All of our ginsengs, American ginseng, Panax ginseng, those are considered sweet. And there are several other sweet herbs, but I think you get the idea that it's really the plants that are good for digestion and that when cooked properly are easily assimilated. So if someone has had a long-term illness, we suggest they have a kanji, which is um, some form of porridge, whether it's oats or rice or quinoa. It could be millet, whatever grain that that person has an affinity towards. And we will cook it for a long period of time. So we may tell them instead of doing a two-to-one rice cook, you might want to do a five-to-one or even an eight-to-one. So eight parts water to one part rice and cook it down for several hours. And we'll also have them add in tonifying herbs like codonopsis, ginger, jujube dates. And so all of these herbs are getting infused into the water and then that water is being absorbed by the rice. And we'll have them eat a little bit of that every day, as much as they can stomach, because when we're recovering from a long-term illness or, or when we have a deficiency of our digestion, sometimes we don't have an appetite. So we want to rebuild their appetite and also give them all of these sweet, tonifying herbs into a way that their body can easily assimilate the nutrients. So our sweet herbs are really one of the most important taste we have in Chinese medicine. We also have pungent. And pungent is also called acrid or spicy. And the importance of the pungent or the spicy flavor is that it disperses and invigorates and promotes circulation. So this is a strong category when we want to get something out of the body that doesn't need to be there because it's going to disperse chi. It's going to promote chi and blood circulation. It's also going to open our pores and promote sweating. We really use it if we need to disperse pathogens from the exterior of the body. So if someone has a interior condition, then we don't want to use a lot of spicy herbs because we don't want to over-invigorate chi and blood. And if someone's really deficient, then we really don't want to use a lot of spicy or pungent herbs because they don't have enough chi and blood to disperse. So we're really going to cause more damage by overly invigorating someone that doesn't have the chi and blood to lose or to move. So this is really important, is the pungent spicy are really great for the flu, the common cold, maybe some toxicity in the digestion, like, you know, you ate some bad food and now you're feeling crampy and gassy and you just want to expel that out of the body as fast as possible. That's when you want to use pungent or spicy. But if someone has a long-term chronic internal illness or is really deficient, you want to be very mindful when you use these pungent herbs. Um, examples of the pungent or spicy flavor are ginger, garlic, onion, 
pretty much the entire mint family, which is, you know, spearmint, peppermint, penny royal, catnip, hyssop, lavender, some of our Chinese herbs of huo xiang, patchouli. You know, there are just like other spicy herbs. Spicy is also the cayenne peppers, the Sichuan peppers. So we have our mint families, our garlic and onion shallot, and also our peppers. And there are other spicy herbs, but those are the ones that are most commonly used. And also, I feel like, especially with peppermint, we just think that that's an herb we should be drinking every single day. And in small doses, that's fine. But if we're really working clinically with, um, you know, with, with our clients, then we want to make sure that we are just building them the best formula we can based on what they have going on in the moment, as well as their constitution and the root cause of their imbalance. Some examples of the salty flavor are seaweeds, shellfish, all fish, whether it is saltwater or freshwater, cuttlefish bone, nettles, and some other aquatic plants like horsetail has a slight salty and high mineral content to it. So the salty flavor is one that many people often overlook in in all medicine because we kind of just take it for granted that we can salt all of our food whenever we want. But traditionally, people didn't always have access to salt. So it was an important element to get it in in fish and in seaweed and in other what we would more consider food sources, but in Chinese medicine, our food and our herbs are often very closely linked to being the same thing. So our salty flavor, it is used in Chinese medicine, especially also with our shells. We use oyster shell and clam shell and mother of pearl and other things. So our salty flavor is something that we'll use a lot to moisten the intestines or more often when we want to soften and dissolve a hardness in the body in the form of a tumor or a mass or a cyst. The sour taste is associated with the liver and the gallbladder in the five element system. The sour taste has a moistening and softening effect and we usually use it when we want to reduce the contraction of either ligaments and tendons The sour flavor also restrains or reduces the leakage of fluids. So in Chinese medicine, we consider these fluids to be either sweat, perspiration, mucus, semen, vaginal secretions, and blood. One of our most popular sour herbs is the peony root, which nourishes the liver and will also relax tendons and ligaments. So if someone has, let's say, some premenstrual syndrome symptoms where they start getting breast tenderness, they may also start noticing that their whole body just becomes more tense. And so blood is a yin substance. And for people who may have heavy bleeding or that just notice that there's this extra body tension around their menstrual cycle, they may need what we call bai shao or the white peony root as a way to help nourish the liver and relax the body during this premenstrual time or any other time. It can be a man. It doesn't necessarily have to be a woman. 
Another popular sour herb that actually has all five flavors in there is what we call wuweitza or schizandra berry. And this helps reduce night sweats. So if someone is having what we call a yin deficient heat rising, this may manifest as hot flashes or night sweats. So schizandra berry is really great at helping to reduce the night sweats and also... It helps with essence. So we have qi, blood, and jing, or essence, in Chinese medicine. And a lot of times for these, if we already have a yin deficiency, so we're already fluid deficient, but we're having this abnormal leakage of fluids when we're already in this deficient state, then this is what schizandra berry is going to be really good for. So the last taste is bitter, and bitter dries dampness, disperses, and clears heat. So again, it is a taste that's going to disperse chi. But the really important part of that is that it is going to clear heat and dry dampness. And a lot of times, if we do have improper assimilation of nutrients or a weakness in our digestion, we also have dampness and cold of the digestion, and that is what causes the loose stools. So bitter flavors are going to be really important. It's also important for edema and cough due to qi stagnation. So that's just something you're going to have to know if you understand pattern diagnosis, the difference between a cough that would be due to stagnation of qi as opposed to a cough that's due to dryness or due to heat or due to to damp heat. So a lot of different reasons why someone would have a cough, which is why pattern diagnosis is so important for herbalists to understand and for anyone to understand really who's working with clients and working with herbal medicine. So be that an acupuncturist, an herbalist, you know, a life or health coach who wants to give nutritional or herbal advice, although I always say Make sure you do work with a registered herbalist or if you want herbal advice. And by registered herbalist, I not only mean from the American Herbalist Guild, but someone who has a strong foundation of pattern diagnostic skills. And they may not have a degree that claims, hey, I understand pattern diagnosis, but just someone who when you talk to them, they seem to have a clear understanding of whether your condition or your constitution is hot or cold, dry or damp if it's interior or exterior, or if it's those um, other techniques that I'll talk about in other podcasts about pattern diagnosis. So some examples of our bitter herbs are rhubarb, apricot kernels, and all of our leafy green vegetables. So kale, chard, collards, turnip greens, all of our greens are going to be bitter. The bitter flavor is really good at clearing fire or clearing heat. So if you are one of those people or you have clients that tend to run hot, you are going to want to think about what bitter herbs that you can give your clients. Bitter herbs are also herbs like comfrey, comfrey leaf and comfrey root. Nettles can be considered bitter. Dandelion greens are definitely a bitter herb. So a lot of our spring tonics will be bitter because they're really going to help clear that damp, cold sluggishness of the wintertime. 
So we can really apply that bitter concept to not only Chinese medicine, but also to Western herbalism as well. And like I mentioned, some texts also talk about a bland taste. Just briefly, the bland taste is usually a diuretic and promotes urination and reduces edema. And pearl barley is pretty much our prime example of the bland taste in Chinese medicine. So I hope you have enjoyed this episode of the Herb Walk podcast with Jessica Baker. We discussed Chinese herbal energetics, or what we call the Sichi Wu Wei of Chinese herbs. So if you enjoyed this podcast, please just let me know, drop me a line, or you know, write it down a comment in the comment section. And if there's something about herbalism, aromatherapy, Chinese medicine, or pretty much just about anything that is related to complementary health, I have some expertise or at least an opinion about it. And I'd love to share that with you. So thank you for joining me on this episode of the Herb Walk podcast. We will talk again soon. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Herb Walk with Jessica Baker. I always appreciate any comments or suggestions that you may have. Feel free to drop me a line in the comment section below. Shoot me an email at jessicajdragonacupuncture.com or feel free to like or follow me. My Facebook page is Jessica Baker LAC and my Instagram account is Baker underscore Botanica. My website is www.bakerbotanica.com. Come on over to the website and, you know, check out the essential oils I have for sale. Check out my book, Plant Songs, Reflections on Herbal Medicine. And as always, thank you so much for your support. Thank you for listening. And thank you for being a lover of plant medicine. Have a great day.